0: You'll give me your objections. I'll answer your objections and like break them down. And so that eventually you will have no more objections at the end of the day. There'll be no more excuse for you not to buy my product. It's literally sales in print. 20% of your actions make up 80% of your outcomes. Where's your aim? Where, where are you going? Like, who are you serving? Center everything around that, ignore everything else. Invest in yourself, invest in your education. Because if you don't, then you're just gonna be where you are. Like, the, no one's gonna do it for you. And it's a hard, harsh reality at the beginning Beginning, but once you get your head around how to do it and how to actually predictably make money Once you figure out, you're like it's like this light bulb like this this whole world opens and you're
1: like That's how the world works. I actually had a uh, Spanish speaking podcast for over two years or something So I did close to a hundred episodes of it. Wow. Okay. I just had to stop because it's difficult to to get interesting a Spanish speaking guest mm-hmm. while being here, living here in Australia. And eventually I started an English podcast with one of my best mates, but it's hard cause he has a nine to five, you know, so eventually we wanted to get guests on board, but it's difficult cause now you have to handle his schedule with my schedule, which I'm, it's the most flexible one cause I work for myself, but then also the guest schedule, you know, so it's quite difficult. And yeah, eventually we, we just stopped but I miss podcasting mm. so much and that's why we're here because this is a new project I- I'm gonna be honest with you there's still not even a name for the podcast wow Okay. yeah so th- there's nothing and like I said to you when you first got in this is not even like the final look for the set it's or just, anything This is the box <laughs> i'm just just—I'm literally just doing just doing and i want this to be some sort of inspiration for for creative entrepreneurs and people out there that you just need to get started you just need to do and eliminate any friction that you have between you and the thing that you want to be doing because I, I i feel like i have almost a mission now that i have to share the stories and the knowledge of of the cool people i've had the fortune to meet in the past years you know and first it was like oh my english is not that good all this stuff like i i i was scared to just making excuses to do it now to me it's more like these days like just do it you know like get started and then you make adjustments along the way so Hmm. basically you are the first guest and yeah. there's not even a, a name for the podcast so far. <laughs> the Soapbox. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so I don't want to even, there, there's a few options, you know, that I have yeah. and I'm still going through them to see what's going to be the final name. But yeah, let, let this be an example for you, whoever you are, you, you're watching right now to just do get started and you figure everything out along the way with feedback as well. You need feedback in order to improve. So this is what we're doing today. And enough about this. We are very fortunate, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. today we have our first guest for the podcast with no name. (laughs) (laughs) And he's um, someone that I respect a lot, that he's a great friend as well. Um, We met through jujitsu funny enough we we can talk a little bit about about that but basically he's leaving us he's leaving australia he's moving to indonesia very soon and i couldn't let this man leave before (laughs) sitting down and having a conversation with us because i think he could provide a lot of value to any business owner creative entrepreneurs out there that will we'll be fortunate enough to run come, come across this episode so yeah basically I, ha- I had to tell him make some time for us and here he is I'm, I'm very excited to have this conversation with you he is a digital marketing expert so he's about to break down everything for us about marketing marketing one-on-one could be the name of this episode <laughs> please give a warm welcome to Josiah Rush
0: yeah, 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 that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. So, so uh,
1: yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah so Josiah, uh, before we dive into marketing and, and everything you do, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How, how you, have you got to where you are right now?
0: Uh, in terms of like marketing, it's hard work to start. But in, in terms of what's relative, I started my career as a journalist. And I uh, worked for the Australia Times for two years. And then during that, I like always had side hustles. For like the last several years, I've always had a side hustle. And um, you know, many didn't turn out. Many of them didn't turn out. Uh, the most consistent one, I had another like uh, an online publication for four years while I was working with the Australia Times. As you can imagine, that's a direct fit, you know. And then um, I got into marketing about six years later, and then I've been doing marketing for about seven years now. And I fell in love. Holy crap. Like, it was love at first sight where, like, I I read the old books from, like, Claude Hopkins and Robert Collier and stuff. And I was just, like, obsessed from then. And I was like, I want to learn everything about marketing. And usually, you know, when you pick up a new idea, it shakes off. It shakes off within a couple of months, like it kind of like dies off, but this never died off. Like a year later, two years later, still the same obsession, three, four years later, same obsession. And so yeah, so I've been a digital marketing consultant for small to medium sized businesses for two years running my own firm. But before that I ran a digital marketing agency with another partner, but I sold that in 2021. And so since 2021, I've been consulting for myself and Um, unexpectedly it grew really rapidly and it's been doubling every year which thank god and um yeah so here I am today and and sharing hopefully some wisdom some some uh bites to take home and yeah
1: yeah that's awesome dude um when you first what do you love about marketing what what got you so deep into it why why do you what do you think it, it made you fall in love with
0: it at first, uh, like it's changed, right? At first, it was like, oh, I love, I love, um, to see what makes people tick and what makes people buy, and then over time, you know, it's moved into a more sustainable kind of mindset. Of psychology never changes. It's never changed for the last hundred years or thousand years. Like it's something that you will always take with you. No, no, even if you do a degree in it um, 10 years ago, it's still going to stay with you and it's the information you learned back then is still just as useful as long as obviously you're learning a lot of practical knowledge as well and and translating that into marketing. And so what I loved about it is you could learn any channel, doesn't matter if it's Facebook, Google, SEO, psychology remains the same. And once you learn the, the basics, you just evolve and use your common sense alongside of your knowledge of tactics and things like that, that support an overall strategy. So um, yeah, I hope that was a pretty good answer, but uh, yeah, I, I really, it, 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 it was more so like reading from the authors uh, of the direct response authors that I read they were selling like direct response or direct mail to people and then split testing like what works and what words uh, made an impact, what increased sales, just like one little word change or uh, adding a specific image on a letter and that like improved conversion rates by 20x. And so reading about those, holy shit, like these are just basic stuff and learning from my from my learnings in journalism. You know, it's about, you know, the ABCs of journalism, accuracy, brevity, and clarity. And you're looking at that, but you're also looking at direct response over here. And you're like, oh, well, if we just change this headline a little bit, um, you know, we could increase our readership. We could increase our open rates. Like if you're talking about email marketing, it's your click-through rates. And then you can subsequently improve your conversion rates. And so everything kind of complements each other. Everything you do in life, even in sales, marketing... Uh, that learning marketing helps with sales, um, so I, I just love that it it literally is every part. It, it affects every part of your life, right? If if you're at a wedding or a party with someone, you can you use what you know about psychology and get to know them, and and you know, ov- obviously not for bad, but um, not that there's many ways. But yeah, that's that's why I kind of like fell in love with marketing because it's so it's so deep. You know, it, there's so much to learn. And the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Um, and yeah, I'm a big believer on that.
1: For someone that has never done marketing or anything like that, what's marketing, first of all? Break it down for us.
0: Yeah. So marketing, if you think of sales and marketing, sales is like you and me. We're in a conversation. I've got some sort of product or service and, and you're like in market for it. You're You're kind of like interested. You approach me about it and I'm kind of like telling you the benefits telling you you know how it's you've told me about uh, your current problem and I'm kind of relating to you building that rapport as we know in sales and so marketing is just that but in print or in text you're literally doing the same thing as what we're doing in a sale you'll give me your objections. I'll answer your objections and like break them down. And so that eventually you will have no more objections at the end of the day. There'll be no more excuse for you not to buy my product. Like it's just a common sense thing, but like marketing is that it's literally sales in print. It's sales, um, not one-to-one, but one-to-many. And so that's why it's so powerful. And you can do one-to-one, obviously email marketing. If you're, if you're reaching out, doing a sniper strategy, you know, reaching out to someone on LinkedIn and you know, you've read some of their articles and you're trying to build rapport that way. Yeah, it's just online sales. It's just selling digitally. In, in my experience, it's digitally, but you can do it obviously through direct mail and, and physically and all that sort of stuff. You've got um, collateral in your shop, in your little cafe with certain discounts or coupons or you know, certain um, events that you've got on at the moment. So, yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating when you think of breaking it down
1: that way. You've, it's just literally sales, you know. That's a great breakdown of what's marketing because it's literally just making me think a lot even on my own website, you know, that yeah. I know it needs to be updated and all these things. But now hearing that, it makes it even easier for me to know what are, what are some of the things that I need to fix, you know. So... What do you think are like the most common mistakes you spot on on websites or of entrepreneurs, small business owners? What are what are the the most common mistakes you you normally find?
0: Uh, like the single most common mistake, like literally every single client that comes to me, they don't have their persona sorted out. And what that means is basically they don't understand who their audience is properly or they haven't really documented it properly. So you could be in business for like five years and you've got a rough idea on the kind of clients you've got. and most people say you know you've all of them come from word-of-mouth and so that's why they're coming to you for marketing so that they can create more predictability in the business but when it comes to the number one mistake, it is that they haven't really documented. Well, who is the eighty percent of people that we're really selling to here? And that doesn't necessarily mean their age, their gender, their jobs, their their business size, their their medium size, or their nine figure business, or their enterprise and they're nuts, like they're the next Google that you're serving. Those don't matter in the scheme of things, because when you really think about it, the main things you need to know in order to sell someone just in a sales conversation is what are their objections? What are their pain points? What are their desires? What do they want? Right. And then once you figure that out, you just do the inverse of what you've learned. The inverse being you have uh, you learn their objections and so you can answer them on your Web page. You can break them down. Hey, here's like there's certain objections around pricing. Well, you can say, oh, well, we have pricing plans uh, to help with that. Like you're literally doing the inverse. They're giving you the answers, Um, and a lot of the time, personas are are half-educated guess and judgmental experience. And so if you you come from a statistical background, they say, you know, there's judgmental analysis where you you approach an expert and they kind of tell you um, what their experience is and and based on, um, you know, a a sample size or a cohort. And so um, basically you, you as the business owner, you would use your knowledge. Okay, well, I get five clients a week and most of them come in with this same problem. Um, This is the recurring theme, or this is the recurring kind of desires that they want out of my product for this particular service that I'm offering. Uh, And these are their objections. And so I'll put these down on paper and I'll have a real hard think about, well, how is it that I serve them? How is it that I fix these problems? And you kind of like, it helps with your marketing, as you can imagine, it helps with your sales. The whole business, uh, like for everyone, like if you... Create this persona, sit down for like 30 minutes, an hour, create this persona. Then, um, you know, that helps everyone. Front desk, it helps sales, it helps marketing, it helps your entire team understand, oh, okay, this is who we're serving, right? Um, and that's the main thing. A lot of business owners, they come in, they think that they need a website or think they think they need social media, but they really haven't understood their audience yet. So they're throwing tactics at the wall to see what sticks. Uh, instead of looking at the holistic strategy and then thinking about well who who is it we're targeting and look at the 8020 rule and then think about what's the 8020 rule? Pareto's 8020 rule so it's like um 20% of your actions make up 80% of your outcomes. And so with uh, that you use the 8020 rule with your marketing as well. You think well I'm not going to waste my time on it's like SEO, right? You you're not wasting your time on certain keywords because you know they're not fruitful, they're not worth your time. You know, if you chase one particular keyword you might have to spend $20,000 just to get on the top three search results. Whereas another keyword, it might be literally you don't have to spend any money on backlinks and you can create the page because the opportunity's there. And so you're thinking Pareto's rule there. You're thinking 80-20, where where can I find some quick wins that can produce results if I'm I'm worried about short term? Uh, But long term... Obviously, you want to have a holistic strategy. Where's your aim? Where where are you going? Like, who are you serving? And then center everything around that. Ignore everything else. Because obviously, like, as you know, running a business, um, especially when you start out, you, you like the shiny things. We all do. We like new things. We like... Um, you know, a customer came in for a certain add-on and we're like, oh, we should make that a main service now. Cause they came in for the add-on, we should serve this. And it's just like, you get so distracted, so everyone, <laughs> everyone, like I'm, I've done a, a lot, right. Um, I've been there. And that's why I can say from experience, we, we kind of like all do this where we get distracted by those shiny things. Yeah. Um, And so- Cause
1: you start thinking as well, like, oh, this will make X amount of extra money on top yeah. of it yeah. and stuff. So you're like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. So you start like coming out of your specialty as well yeah so yeah that's very interesting because like you don't sit down to think about it but it has happened to to me as well you know many times where i've had a client that maybe comes you know for videos but then eventually they're like oh can you can you also take charge of our social media yeah, accounts and that stuff yeah. and you're like well, mm, i could make money yeah <laughs> i could make some extra money and whatever and then you you kind of just go through that like that because they're paying you already a bunch of money and you're like oh well if you let me take take charge of your social media accounts it would only cost you x but then when you start doing it you're like fuck me why did i do this you know this is boring first of all it's not what i like doing mm. I, it's not my specialty so it takes me longer for me to do to do it that it will take to someone that specializes on this and takes away of the phone too and then you're not guaranteeing the best results for the client too you know so and like i completely moved away from that you know if it's something that is my business doesn't specialize on or i've i'm not confident at maybe consulting or teaching or advising or stuff i don't touch it you know Mm. i'm just like i don't care how much money it's gonna make yeah unless I have someone that I trust that I can, you know, either hire to do the job for us kind of thing. And that's how you start thinking bigger as a business, you know, because then if you have the budget, depending on the client and the project itself, you can hire the best talent, you know? So if I know that talent that will deliver amazing results and I can be almost the middleman for that to happen kind of thing, then you're like, yeah, we can do that for you. We, and, you know, you start making things happen. But even then, like you're taking time away. If you're a, a one man band, you know, you're taking a lot of your time away to figure that out. So you better have the right budget for it. So yeah, that that's very interesting that you mentioned that. For, and, and, yeah. and that brings up another point,
0: like the same as services, when they come in for these services and you feel like you've got to add that on because it's in your wheelhouse, you're intelligent enough to do that particular job but it's not what you love it's not what you got into and stuff and that's why it's not sustainable and eventually you learn Mm. to drop it off Mm. but also pricing Mm. pricing someone comes in um early on especially and they're like you know, they talk down your budget or they talk down your services. Can we just, like, not include that? Or can we just, like, they try to negotiate. Yeah. And it's just like, this isn't freaking negotiable. Like, <laughs> this is my service. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. We also give in early on. We give in. We're like, oh, I kind of really need the money. And, and um, you know, it's feast the famine. And you kind of, like, need the money straight away. So you give in and you, you take on clients who are probably very, very high maintenance and they're not worth the pennies. But you need to pay your bills. And, and we all go through that. And... Um, but long-term, obviously you learn that's not sustainable. You're not going to be building a business by doing that. And you've got to realize that just because you're saying no to this person doesn't mean that there's another one around the corner. There's been so many times where, you know, you get this little thought in the back of your head that you turn down this client and early on, especially you turn down this client and you're like, Oh, I've I've lost money. Like I I lost, I could have made five grand or 10 grand out of that. And then a few days later you get hit up with another job and you're like, Oh, how is that? Like, <laughs> is the universe. What is this? <laughs> yeah.
1: Man, it definitely works like that. And that, that's a great point. To- talking pricing, because I think this is one of the biggest um, areas where we fail as creatives entrepreneurs, because co- coming from the creative side of things, we love so much what we do, right? Yeah. Like Whether it's videos, whether it's marketing, whether it's photography, whether it's design, we love so much what we do that it's hard to like separate from the artist the creator the filmmaker the photographer to go to the business owner Mm. right it took a long time for me to understand like regardless of how much i love my passion which is creating videos and helping people translate their ideas, their their vibes that that's the purpose of vibes creating, you know, helping supporting businesses and individuals in translating their unique vibe into extraordinary films. If I want to do that, I need to be profitable. You know, like unfortunately that's the hard truth. You yeah. need to be profitable because eventually yeah. if not, you're going to burn out. You're not going to have a business in a year or two years time. It, it eventually it will eat you because you will realize, like shit, I'm not making enough money, and then you will probably have to drop your passion to go do something else because your passion can't sustain your your life. That's you a starving know? artist. Exactly, yeah, it's the same man. Exactly. That's mm. and one day I sat down and you know, by that, uh, that was a, f- a couple years ago where I've been focusing so much on the skills and I completely mm. neglected, neglected the business side of things. Yeah. And I remember being like, even looking at the market and stuff and understanding that, yeah, my skills are above like the average and all these things. And I'm not making enough money Mm. compared to Johnny from the corner that, you know, he's claiming to be the best videographer or filmmaker in the planet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he's making so much money. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, your videos are trash. Why are you Mm -hmm. making more money than me? You know, so, and you start coming back to that and then reflecting on what do you need to change, you know, in order to be profitable, uh, to be profitable in order to, for your business to grow, in order to be, T- remain doing what you love you know so you have to learn business you have to learn sales you have to learn how to negotiate as well because like I said if if you don't learn that you should stay as a creative and mm. and that's fine too that you should stay as the artist as a filmmaker as a photographer and yeah. just work for someone else Work for someone else yeah, yeah. It, which is there's nothing wrong with that yeah but for someone like me and for someone like you I know by now as well that's that's not an option you know mm. to me it was always like i need to make this work and mm. so far things are working out bad because you know i had to put the fire on me like how am i gonna i need to solve this problem why am i not making enough money why am i not reaching the right clients you know what am i missing what's happening because it's not the skills I can see around me, like mm. in the market and all the stuff that my skills are, uh, uh, you might not be the best of the best, but you're way above average. So you should be making a living if people below you with be, that have less, sk- your their skills are are lower than yours, are making more money. You mm. should be making more money than them. You should be more profitable. So that's when you start learning that it's, it's not just skills, that's like, The bare minimum, Mm. like er, it's everything else. It's the client experience, it's the shaking the right hands, like networking. That has been game-changing for me in the past year. So I want to hear from you, like, because you worked for someone for a while, right? Like doing marketing for them years ago, did you?
0: Yeah, no. So I went into journalism. Mm -hmm. I ran my own publication for four years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I went into a business, a digital marketing business. Uh, business for uh, with a business partner mm-hmm. and we ran that for two years so I literally went went into business and uh, granted it wasn't that profitable it wasn't that profitable especially for the two years it was a lot of learning a lot of mistakes mm-hmm. um it's only in the last two years that like I've, I've kind of like streamlined my own master's course by starting my own business and, and learning um even more than what I did in that social media uh, digital marketing agency um but yeah, I, I, in contrast, like I have worked for other people at the start of uh, my business now, consulting, like working in-house in their teams, working across different teams. Like I remember I was fortunate enough to work for an enterprise um, in the uh, fintech space in six months after consulting. But I was working for someone else as an employee in-house, um, but I was obviously learning on their dime. So mm-hmm. that's 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 uh, the most underrated thing. Alex Homozy says it all the time. Oh, I you love know, Alex always, Hermosa, yeah. yeah, always, um, you know, that's that's so underrated. And a lot of people just want to skip to the end, you know. They mm-hmm. just want to skip... Mm-hmm. To the last um, section where they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna charge uh, fifty dollars an hour straight away." It's like, dude, you don't even know what you're doing to charge fifty dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Like most people with your skill set are charging ten US an hour. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I feel like we get some of us at least get greedy really fast, and we don't uh, we we're not realistic with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We see the instant gratification and. Um, how the success other people have, like with their Ferraris and with their, oh, we went from a million dollars in three years or uh, in a year or something like that with some e-com store that they built. And so, yeah, good on them. If if they did that, amazing, good hats off to them. But uh, that's not real life like you when they say build a business you are building a business think of it as a brick at a time and you're spending every day and you're putting one brick on the pavement and not the pavement but you know what i mean like you you're building a house with a brick at a time and kind of that's how i see business now i didn't see business like that at the start though i was too ambitious for myself i was too impatient um and you you just got to really think about it that way and i think when People think about marketing and business, learning business. They get intimidated. They're like, "Oh, this this really complex subject. I don't have time. I'd just rather rather learn my job, learn my craft, and get perfect at it." Whereas, if you learn just a few basics of business, it's really simple. It's really simple. And um, if if anyone tells you there's this silver bullet or this hack or this you know a quick way of learning, like they're they're wrong. Like it's it, there's no such thing as a silver bullet in life. Otherwise, everyone would be billionaires. Like. It's really that simple. So it's it's learning about people, sales, and not thinking that you have to read a script. And I'm like, oh, so 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 tell me, uh, you're looking for a five thousand um, dollar car loan, is that right? Like it's just, I I feel like a lot of people get really um, stressed at the beginning because there's so much to learn and it's overwhelming. And it's really actually simple once you get your head, head around it. Like it's like anything in life. Once you actually got your head around it, like driving a car, you're like. Well, actually, that was actually quite simple. But when I first started out, it was so complex. Like I was I was driving in the wrong lane. I was driving through a red light. I was like, oh, you know, like you're looking at it that
1: way. But I feel like it's a lot simpler than people think. Yeah, well, what do you think for someone that has been too occupied with the tools, too focused on getting like better uh whatever they do let's say it's a videographer that is too focused on making better videos but has neglected completely the side of business and he's starving at the Mm. moment he's not making enough money Mm. what would you tell him to do in order to start changing things for him and and actually start building a business
0: well, I think if you look at what we mentioned before, you don't have to be the best in the game to be successful. You just have to be better than someone else. And th- that person who's obsessed and their um, perfectionist enemy. I used to be a big perfectionist. Um, and what I realized over time is that is your worst enemy. You just need to get the MVP, the minimal viable product up and running. And this goes for everything. Goes for your website, goes for your blog, goes for your portfolio, your LinkedIn, um, reaching out to people. It's It's volume. It's literally you're learning over time through volume, as Alex Hormozzi says. You're you're like c- calling. Oh, I suck at sales. I suck at calling. Do more of them. You'll get better. Like literally stop putting these high expectations that you're going to be instantly good at this thing when you just start out. And that's what a lot of people think that they can do, that they think that it, they're going to be instantly good at this thing. It's like go snowboarding for the first time. You're going to fall on your ass so many times, right? <laughs> Everyone does. Like no one's born and they're like, oh. Ah! i got a clean, white, shiny ass right here. Like, <laughs> like I didn't even touch the ground. Yeah. Like, but that's the thing. I, I feel like stop liking. So as long as you can produce a video, produce something that people are actually paying for, sell it. Try to sell it. Try to try to ask someone, would you pay for this? Would you pay for like, and, and it's that's volume as well. Finding out the exact offer of what's going to work takes time. You're not going to create a killer offer straight away. That takes time. If you look at Russell Brunson or um, any of any value-based marketers uh, like Christo, um, he's more in sales, Christo. Uh, but, Side note, Yeah. I'm
1: going to his workshop next week. Nice. Yeah, he's yeah. in Melbourne, Sydney. Brisbane. Oh, he's in Brisbane. He's coming next what week. What day? The day you're leaving. Oh, <laughs> Can you wow. believe it? I, sh- I was about to text you because oh, no. I'm going with my mate that is also uh, an entrepreneur. Oh. Man and yeah, like I was like Josiah would love this because I know you, you oh. like you, you know him. And then I checked the calendar. Oh, that's a, the the day they leave. Yeah. Uh, oh, that sucks. How crazy. That's yeah. okay.
0: That's okay. Like I learn a lot of his videos anyway. You get kind of similar value. Yeah. But um, yeah, that they teach you as well. Like you're you're literally testing and building stuff. Never like. Don't think that you're gonna f- go out go the gates winning all the time. Like, just be prepared to fail. That's why the cliche or oh, fail money as many times as you can. We've all heard it so many times. Uh, it's true to the instance that you really have to set your own expectations within yourself to realize that, hey, I might not make any money. I I made no money in one of my businesses for two years, zero dollars. I actually um I spent thousands of hours learning um like in, in marketing and I made no money at all. And so you got to be prepared for that. You know, you, like it, it won't always be the case. Like I've, I've seen so many cases where people have just started a fresh business. This first time they've ran a business and they've made half a million dollars in the first six months. I'm like, holy shit. Like, how does this happen? This person knows like way less than me. How are they making money? And I'm sure you've come across certain scenarios where there's a lot more people who are like how I look at it a lot stupider than you are. Right. And, but they're like 20 X richer than you. <laughs> like they're, they're making so much money. They're yeah. retired at yeah. like 25. And, uh, but you never obviously compare. It's the whole comparative thing. We compare ourselves to these people on Instagram and you just got to really set yourself expectations that it's okay. It's okay not to make money. Try to like lower that. I know that you got bills to pay. Uh, we've all got bills to pay. Just do what you need to do to get the bills to pay, but come in with the expectation that you're not going to be rich in a month. You know, just just try to love the process. Gary Vee says this all the time. Um, and I think it is cliche to a degree, but you do, you've do you got to love the work. Alex Tomozzi says, love the hard work. Um, and it's true. Like, you've got to love, pick something that you love doing, find a, a realistic way of doing it. Like, for example, when I first started with the Australia Times, I loved video games. And I knew that I would never become a developer. That was not realistic. I sucked at code. And uh, the next best thing, I loved English. I loved uh, journalism, uh, as you know. And so I started my own publication while I was working with the Australia Times. um, And I went into the gaming industry from there because I loved it. It was a passion. But the only realistic way of getting into that industry was to pick a profession that I could actually enter into um, that could make money, which was a journalist at the time um, because I was good with words. And that's how I could enter into that industry. So you've got to pivot. Um, I've been following Adam Enfroy, Enfroy, yeah, uh, lately, and he's good at, uh, with his messaging with pivoting. You've got to learn to pivot in as many areas as possible, and don't always get stuck on something. You know, like that's a, a human flaw we have when we've spent so much time on something, it's hard to let it go. Um, it's like relationships. You've been in a relationship for ten years; it's very hard to let it go, even though you know it's toxic, and it's like n- not good for your life. And mm-hmm. so we have that trait, and it's kind of like learning to let go. And learning to pivot when you need to. But I guess the hardest thing is identifying when you actually do need to. So to answer your question, it's really drop the tools, try to sell something. Um, the founder of AppSumo, he does this all the time. He says that uh, like most experienced investors uh, and business owners, they don't even build the product anymore to begin with. They try to sell something that doesn't even exist first to see if it's got market validation. And so they they actually like come up with this product. Hey, they, they call up a few people uh, and they're not all friends, by the way. They call up people who've who've got money or like just acquaintances here and there. Hey, would you kind of like pay for this service um, and try to get actual money in the bank? Try to actually see if it's got market validation because if it's got no validation, you're going off with an idea or a dream. That's kind of there's no search volume behind it. The, the, the keywords or the niche is way too niche and no, one's even, no one even knows about this product. It's early on the bell curve. It's not even mainstream yet. No one knows about it. And so it's only early adopters who know about it. Um, so it's really uh, setting those expectations with yourself. Try to sell the product first. Drop the tools. You're good enough. Like, you know what you're doing. You're good enough. Sell something. A lot of people are happy with um, very basic videos, by the way. They're willing to pay it. If you went on Fiverr, I'm not suggesting go on Fiverr, worst platform um, in terms of listing your own services. Um, But I recommend try to sell the service first. And it's hard, but it's volume. Like, reach out to people quality don't don't create this blank email template hey name i saw that you're blah 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 can you like there's nothing personal about that and people are smart they read straight through your bullshit mm-hmm. and then um you know it doesn't get the cut through that you want right so take your time learn about the person i know that um the first few kind of uh, emails that you get you won't get any responses and that's fine that's normal that's what follow up is for that's what all this stuff follow up's very important um but yeah, that's what I would suggest. Like it's, it's as simple as that. It's because we all get on the tools and then we don't end up starting sales at all. Cause we're like, Oh, you know, I got to have sales. Perfect. I've got to know exactly what I've got to say. I've got to have the script. I've got to know which platforms to sell. I've got to know which, which, which um, uh, ad platforms to go on. And you think that you got to get everything perfect. And that's when we come back uh, full circle to perfection is your enemy. Um, and you've just got to move past that minimal viable product. Just get get something out there and build it one
1: brick at a time. Yeah, you com- you completely nailed it as well with what you were saying before that you got to be prepared to fail. Mm. You got to be prepared to go to that place where you're, you look at your bank account mm. and you might have like 50 bucks. Yeah. I, I have a screenshot of well, one of the few times because this has happened maybe... I think off top of my head, maybe three times mm. where I was so low in money mm. that I had no money for rent for next week. Like I literally looked at my bank I've account, been there. Yeah. 50 bucks, mm. 54 something. I think it was, I mm. have the screenshot on my phone and no idea where the next job was coming from. And no support from No family. support because yeah. my family is from Venezuela. They, they, you know, they're not making enough money to support me here, all mm. this stuff no 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 one that i i would my pride wouldn't let me go to someone and be like can i borrow you know a thousand dollars or whatever like i had no idea but i had to make it work and i made it like it you know it's it's almost like the universe starts playing with you if you stay long enough if you stay long enough in a game but not wishing not just dreaming but doing you know it's not like i was just expecting something to fall on my lap like i i i went to work i went to hunt you know i was like what can i do what can i you know i'll start putting stories that i'm in on instagram that i that i'm working i will start you know i will mm. continue my youtube channel i will reach out to someone i will do and then eventually like maybe the day before the paying rent and all this stuff yeah. something will happen man yeah. it was crazy yeah. and it has happened every single time Mm. i think there's no way out I'm, i'm about to give up like my brain is already telling me like dude it's not worth it let's just go for a job let's just go back to hospitality and all this stuff like just just go work for someone you know at this stage someone will hire you to do videos or even you know like offer that you man getting a job is that is is not that hard (laughs) like honestly going working for someone is not really that hard if you're a nice person if you're smiling Mm. if you get the job done whatever they need you get it done Mm. even if you don't have the skills but you show that you're willing to learn and that you will find a way to get things done, you will get hired Mm. like it it took me Not very long to understand that it's not hard. It's actually hard to find people like that, and it's not hard to be those people. Yeah, you know, it's it's really not that hard to get hired. Hard is going and start everything by yourself. Like being an entrepreneur has been the hardest thing I've done in my life, other than you know being an immigrant. You know, Mm. on the other side of the world. So, if you want a job, if if you want to not be an entrepreneur that that's the easy path like honestly almost anyone can do it yeah if you, if you, i can
0: get a job practically anywhere get just work for one person get one salary be limited obviously financially yeah
1: yeah um, you will have a ceiling yeah you know that and, and that
0: ceiling's so low like you're not even <laughs> breaking the 150k mark 100k mark and really when you're making 150k a year you start to realize oh life is suddenly better. I can afford these restaurants. I can I can afford to, you know, have a nice car. I can afford to, not that I, I don't really care about cars, by mm-hmm. the way. Um, but, like, you can afford these stuff that you would at the beginning of your life when you grew up with people who were in pov- poverty and that mindset and they're like, oh, it's too expensive or it's too... Mm-hmm. They always like have these connotations around money, which are negative, Mm -hmm. Um, especially uh, they're at restaurants and like, oh, oh, this is way too expensive. And you start to realize that, um, you know, that's all that actually affects you long term, Mm -hmm. how you think Mm -hmm. about money and your possibilities. Mm -hmm. You don't realize that these, these guys over here making $30 million a day and you're, you're, you're over here making what, how many, how, like what, $200, $150 a day, if that, mm-hmm. um, in your normal job, and and um, it's a whole different life. You know, you struggle paycheck to paycheck. Most of this country lives paycheck to paycheck. Um, but it's actually like, so it's an investment in yourself to, to be an entrepreneur or, or to to start a business that you actually love and, and learn about it. Invest in yourself, invest in your education, um, because if you don't, then you're just gonna be where you are. Like, the, no one's gonna do it for you, and it's a hard, harsh reality at the beginning. But once you get your head around h- how to do it and how to mm. actually predict predictably make money, which is a hard thing to get your head around, you do need to learn marketing and sales. But once you figure out, you're like, it's like this light bulb. Like this, this whole world opens, and you're like, that's how the world works. That's interesting, you know? Yeah. So that's one of the things that, um, you know. Uh, I, I feel like the whole grind and all that sort of stuff—it's unhealthy to a degree, but you do need to at least put the hours in, especially at this yeah. beginning. Do it focused though, because we can all get distracted by, okay, I've got to learn social media marketing. I've got to learn this now. I've got to learn this now. And we all do it, but do something that you you like and you will pivot. You will pivot into, I started in social media. I learned that I didn't like social media. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm certified in Facebook. I ran Facebook ads for people. I did not like it. I found Google. I fell in love. Like I was like, this is what I've been looking for. Mm-hmm. I hate interruption marketing. I hate interrupting people. I'd rather help them. When they're searching for my services most, mm. like and and that's what I love about like what I'm doing in marketing versus Facebook and Instagram and and uh, influencer marketing and mm-hmm. all that sort of stuff because I don't delve into those. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize is um, when you're uh, hiring a consultant like me, we don't specialize in everything. We know a bit about everything, like a generalist. But mm-hmm. for me, I specialize in SEO, uh, CRO, and Google Ads. So mm-hmm. uh, CRO being conversion rate optimization for like websites. Um, uh, SEO, everyone kind of knows what that is. Search engine optimization. And then Google ads, just Google ads, you know, and that's all I specialize in now. And there's so much money to be made. Like, holy crap, there's so much money to be made. And a lot of us also get like caught up on, oh, I can't have that competitor over there, uh, can't have that client or, you know, um, they're afraid to mention competitors and they're afraid to share with others and have referral Mm. sources. And really the market's bigger than you. You can't even like me, myself, I couldn't handle more than 10 clients a week. Like I could not, like I I can't physically do that Mm. um, at the moment, like where the growth is. Um, So... We get caught up in jealousy. I had a very jealous business partner when I was beginning and just really caught up on what competitors are doing and what, like, that's the worst use of your time that you're thinking about competitors. Yeah. And I'm sure all of us have done it at the beginning, but it's really when you start to become more veteran in business and you start to learn a bit more on how business works and that you start to partner with competitors and be like, I've referred so many competitors, so many clients to competitors. No sweat easy i think this is going to help this client the most this is way too big for me i've seen a million dollar business get sold and i've uh, sorry business i've seen a million dollar website get built um and i can't build a million dollar website what does that even look like you know it's a huge listing platform and so uh you know you refer that off to other people who can handle that because you're only going to do the client a disservice You're not going to be able to fulfill their expectations. They're going to give you a bad review. um, And you're not going to be very well known in the marketplace. And you'll probably like when you get a bad review, most of us are like, oh, crap, I've got to get rid of that, you know. Um, But it's kind of like one of those things. Don't be jealous about your competitors. And, yeah, I don't even
1: know how I got into that tangent. but Yeah, it's a good tangent, though, because I I think that's a very common theme, Mm. like being like – so greedy with your jobs with your clients and yourself and and you know like even your processes and things like that thinking like oh, oh i can't think, let the competitor yeah, have i that. can't let him know how to do it and all this stuff like man it doesn't matter we're in a, in a yeah. day and age that everything is online you yeah. know like you can learn virtually anything online mm-hmm. so it, it really the difference is you Mm. and nobody can be you Mm because you're unique so that and goes back to as well like improving yourself in upskill yourself like like learn that's why i'm doing the the workshop with crystal you know i'm hoping that i will learn something that will make me a little bit more wiser a little a little bit uh, give me a little uh, uh, edge above my competition you know all this stuff that maybe something that will fast track my way to financial freedom because that's my ultimate goal so you got you got to focus on yourself like winners focus on winning losers Mm. focus on winners Mm. you know so that that is so true like i i don't these days i don't care about what other people are doing you you certainly you can't be ignorant you Mm. know you can't not keep up with trends you can't not see what's working for all the businesses because in some way you can always have your yeah learn from it and have your twist on it Mm. you know because in the end we're all like stealing artists you know Mm. if you're gonna steal like steal like an artist you Mm. know bring your own twist to it don't just copycat someone because that's not gonna work what makes it yours is your own twist into it, your own little spice your own little flavor that's what you should be doing because there is a chance for any idea you have someone is already doing it there is a good chance someone else is doing it but someone is not doing it like you Mm -hmm. you know so that that that's the biggest thing was focusing on myself that that has helped with being an entrepreneur being a business owner getting out of the poor mindset that you were talking about as well because coming from my country like we're like the mindset is very limiting in terms of what we could achieve and all this stuff we we all have like a ceiling back home of like we think we're so far from first world countries or you know that we don't deserve massive success and all this stuff so getting out of that poor mindset and being so frugal as well with money and things like oh if i spend this money this how long it will take me to get that money back you know like thinking in those limiting ways when you start switching to an abundance my mi- mindset mm. you know that there's some there's so much money to be made out yeah. there like and you need to flow with it you know like just spend in order to eventually get yeah. even more you know you need to spend on on other businesses and other people you need to invest you need Of course, you need to save some money, you need to have some sort of safety net in Mm. in case things don't go well, which... If I'm completely honest, I neglected for the longest time as well because just putting all my money back in the business and hoping eventually it will work out. But Mm. yeah, like and transferring that abundance mindset to things like clients as well, like what you were just talking of, like, you know, being being confident that you can refer a client. The client will respect you more Mm. if you come to them. You're like, you know what? I can't offer the service to you, but I know someone that it's very good at that specific thing and we'll get it done. In a way, you're like, oh, I'm losing the money or the opportunity to make the money and whatever. And you think like that client will never come back to you. That client will refer you to other people because he trusts you. You instantly earn so much trust out of that conversation because he's like, well, like this guy just referred me to someone. But I know now what what's his specialty. So if I ever need any like video related work, I was, I'm the first person that is going to pop up or if they hear someone telling like oh i desperately need to find someone that makes videos he's like you know what i have the guy mm. uh, nelson you know he referred me to s- someone great to do marketing you know he he's very honest he's super trustworthy and men you never know how it will come back to you and it might take a little long Mm. but it will like it, it always worked out that way when you start losing that you know poor mindset of like oh i have to keep my client i have to not refer i have to you have to keep it flowing you have to think on abundance mindset that that has been game changing um talking a little bit about those hard times that yeah. you had, because we have all have been there. Right in, yeah. the, in the time where you don't know where you're gonna get clients, you don't know how to make uh, make it work. Yeah. You know, you don't even know how to charge all this stuff. Mm. What? Go, trying to go back to those difficult times in your own journey. And that's the other thing, because the journey for everyone is different. That's why you also need to be prepared, you know, to things not working out the way you expect them to work for a while. Because for some people, they might become millionaires in in six months, like you were saying, or, you know, in a year. But sometimes it might take 10 years. Mm. Sometimes it might take even more. That's why you need to be prepared for it. And ideally... Love what you do, or fall in love with the process of it. Mm-hmm. You know, love, uh, fall in love with the hard work. That's As what matters. Well. Like yeah.
0: otherwise, you'll you'll die early because you set these unrealistic expectations, mm-hmm. uh, and you get stressed out, and uh, you start to realize uh, at the end of life that actually all of that didn't matter. You know, the mm-hmm. things that mattered, I I neglected my spouse, I neglected mm-hmm. um, my family. Like, and it's kind of one of those things. But yeah. Go on. What's your what's your yeah. Question? So
1: what? How did you get out of those difficult times? Like how do you find? The, because I think a lot of people hit the when they hit the wall, and you will eventually as an entrepreneur, you mm. will hit that wall. You will come to the deep, as Seth Godin talks about it. And a lot of people quit before it, like finding mm. what's their true potential mm-hmm. or finding the solution for the the obstacles, the mm-hmm. problems that they're currently having. What was what was your mindset? How do you overcome those moments? Cause it's not very easy. Like we talk about it right now and we can laugh like, oh, mm-hmm. I have 50 bucks in my bank account <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, could, I didn't know how to pay rent. <laughs> we weren't laughing yeah, then. <laughs> but, but we were not laughing then. Yeah. I was crying, man. Mm-hmm. Some days I remember looking back, just been looking at the ceiling crying. Like, like what am I gonna like, do? Like, what the like, fuck am I, do- yeah. am I gonna do? You know, like, so mm. what, what got you out of those circumstances? Well, obviously, um,
0: the right place, right time, all that kind of stuff. But what I started to realize is um, I, I hate the mentality where people say, just quit your job and, and do what you love. It's so unrealistic. So in those instances, like I went back to a normal job, right? I, I tried to find anything. I applied for everything. Like every day I, I applied for like 40 jobs. I, I did get a job and um, I just set myself realistic expectations that, hey, It's okay to be in a job. I know my goal and I know where I'm going to go. And it's okay to go back. Like you might have made up enough money and do what you love. And then that might tank and you might not get to where you be. It's okay to go back. You're not starting from scratch. You've learned so much and you're going back to a normal job. And in those those times, um, I was fortunate. Like it was one of those times where, you know, you're so stressed out that you could have made money on that client and you don't know when your next paycheck's going to be. You don't even know how you're going to pay rent. Um, you know, sometimes some of us come from prideful mindsets where we don't even ask family for money. We're too prideful. We're like, no, I can't lower myself to that level i'm not going to take their money i'm going to figure this out i was fortunate enough like at the very end like i, I barely had two dollars in my bank account as well and i didn't know how i was going to pay rent something just popped up um i was just constantly grinding i think i think something happened where i made sure i was looking for those opportunities applying for jobs all the time and i think one of my uh, old acquaintances um reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to do a bit of work. And that work turned into at least a few uh, paychecks for rent um, to pay my bills. And that turned into something else as well because I thought when I get that job, I'm gonna do the best job possible. I'm gonna over deliver. I'm gonna give the best things so that they are going to either refer me, they're going to either keep me on or that's gonna at least add to my portfolio so I can use that as a collateral to um, try to uh, entice other people to hire me. And, yeah, so getting out of those things, I think it's a matter of being okay to go back to the drawing board, being okay to uh, go and apply for, like, no jobs below you. Um, I think even if you want to work for Uber or uh, be a taxi driver, do that for a while. You know it's a means to an end. You know you're not going to do it for the rest of your life. You're a go-getter, and you, you definitely, um, you know, you don't settle. Right, like other people, like I was on Centrelink for a few years, um, but when I was on Centrelink, um, I I worked every day. I worked thousands of hours uh, a year, and uh, I wouldn't settle. Right, I learned everything about like marketing, and um, whereas other people, other people are content, they're happy, and that's okay if they want to stay in that lane and they want to not really get anywhere in life. Like I always had this deep knowing that I'm going to be very wealthy. And I didn't know how it was going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Like I'm already really wealthy now, but like what I consider wealth is like several homes and several investment properties and that. And, you know, I'm just starting on that path now. But I always had that positive mindset. Meditate a lot. Um, make sure you take care of your mental health because that's really where it is. And um, getting a job takes the pressure off because the pressure is the killer. The pressure is what makes you stressed and think that you're going to be homeless. Um, and so it's good to maybe just get into a normal job and take that pressure off because everyone smells um, desperation. In a sales call, when you've got a desperation on you, you, people sniff it, people smell it. Like, it, it, they not literally smell it, but like they they kind of sense that you need the money and that makes you less attractive. It's like in the dating game, if you really just want to get in bed with that person. You like they could they can kind of tell them like, oh geez, this person's a bit sleazy. Too like much. just way too much. And so it's it's kind of like you've got to play around with that mindset and knowing that um don't be desperate. If I'm receiving pressure now and don't know when my next paycheck is going to be, look for a job first or try to get in sales, but knowing that you might not get a sale because you're you're being desperate. Otherwise, try to switch off the desperation, knowing in yourself, meditate a lot, knowing that it's going to be okay. Um, Because that's where it is. It's just a mindset game, you know, at the end of the day, especially when you've got no money and um, you don't know what next week is going to look like for you and you get in this depressed state, which is very easy. All of us go through it, especially if we think that the world is coming crashing down on us and we don't have any support, um, it happens. And so it's just a mindset game. And it's it's meditating, thinking everything's gonna be okay. Like you see people in third world countries. I visited Indonesia a couple of months ago. You see people with no electricity, um, really bad water and sanitation, and they're very happy. Like they're so smiley, so happy with what they've got is nothing. And Australia here is some of the best facilities for even homeless people like they've they've got barbecues they've got um uh, really clean water and they've uh, like they can go to the public facilities and have toilets and things like that and even showers in some places in Indonesia and places like that they don't have that they don't have anything they've got to go find a find a piece of dirt somewhere and then go to the toilet there you know like yeah.
1: so it's it's a perspective too mm-hmm. like it's, completely yeah. yeah completely and I, I completely relate to that cuz for me, it has been a journey understanding people that deal, for example, with depression and these type of things. Because looking at my own perspective and my, my own experience back home coming from Venezuela, there is people that if they're lucky, they eat rice once a day. Mm that's all yeah maybe pasta if it's you yeah. know the, the good day maybe a little bit of chicken if it's the mm. special day you know the, of the week they leave like maybe 10 of them under the same sink roof and stuff like that they have to become gang members in order to, to prove get themselves get money and survive in the hood you know like it's it's in the slums as well so It it has been very difficult for me to understand people in a country like Australia where they have access to everything you you can even leave from the money that the government can give to you that blew my mind when yeah. i found out about Centrelink and all this stuff that blew yeah. my mind and it, when i found out about my uh, like one of my australian housemates he was so lazy always smoking weed and all this stuff mm. i was like how does he even him for that and yeah. then i found out that he was getting money from, from the, the government, government. <laughs> and I, I couldn't believe it i'm like it blew my mind like what the fuck is, like getting paid for nothing you like, get paid to smoke weed and that's completely okay yeah. like and and then you come tell me that you're depressed and all this stuff and i'm like mate if i were you i, yeah. well, I would be depressed yeah. Yeah, like you're not hitting the gym you're not getting your stuff yeah. done like yeah, like of course you would so yeah that but that's a completely um separate subject i want to bring it back to marketing for a second um what what would you say to someone that has been doing great work and it's getting lots of referrals from word of mouth and things like that like mm-hmm. things are going well but they're not doing any marketing at all. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone like that that is living from all pr- purely from referrals and yeah. people that are, uh, have come through word of mouth.
0: Yeah, well I get I get this probably 10 times a week um where people come to me In different sectors like the ndis or healthcare and stuff and they say well majority of it's word of mouth like i'll get dental clinics coming to me or i'll get doctors and they say all of it's word of mouth um and uh we've been running the business that way five years successfully and uh, we're kind of like gonna give this digital marketing thing a try and usually what you say is you know word of mouth is not predictable it's the cherry on top you don't know when someone's gonna refer you next you, don't, you there's no predictability measure for that. You don't know on this spreadsheet over here that we're going to get at least seven referrals this week. Like you don't know when the referrals are coming. And so digital marketing is really trying to create predictability in the business where eventually the word of mouth, depending on the niche, the word of mouth is the cherry on top. Really, that it's it's that simple. And so when you get into digital marketing, really, you've got to focus on the numbers, because it's a lot of uh, science as well as um, art in, in that sense. And so you're trying to work out how much does it cost per lead or how much does it cost um, per sale? Um, how much money had we, like I, I use CAC, um, cost of acquisition, uh, cost to acquire a Uh, customer. I think that's, uh, anyway, that's what it's called. Um, You've got CPA, cost per acquisition, and you've got CPL. I use CPA and CPL interchangeably for my Google ads clients. And normally a lead isn't a sale, right? Um, For a service business anyway, they're through the door. They haven't spent any money with you yet, but they're probably qualified um, or they're probably not qualified. You've got to find that out. And then your your CAC is when um, the number of like it costs you $500 out of the leads. uh, It took you five leads before you got a client. Each lead costs $100. So your CAC is $500, right? So you've got to get a. Uh, you go got get knowledge of these numbers to understand how your business works and the predictability. And so sometimes when you know those numbers on one channel, then you can s- sort of play around with another channel like Facebook. And you could be like, oh, I'm going to run some Facebook ads and see what my CAC and CPLs are over there. And so that once you start to figure this out and play around, collect the data, knowing that you're not gonna hit home runs straight away, knowing that you're gonna probably invest several thousand dollars um, uh, into your ads without even seeing any results, especially if you're new to it and if you don't have enough money to hire an experienced agency, Um, you can have a lot of trial and error at the beginning, but it's all about creating predictability and not relying on word of mouth, which so many businesses say with pride, by the way, they say with pride, like, Oh, most of it's word of mouth. And yeah, it's just like, well, if you stepped away from the business, um, and you had other employees, you don't, and then you had referrals. You don't know like when those referrals are going to come. You don't know who they're going to come from. At at the rate they're going to come from, you're going to be in feast of famine sometimes. Like if something happens catastrophically, like COVID, that affected so many businesses, especially businesses who pridefully said they had mostly word of mouth. Um, A lot of businesses went under in COVID. A lot of digital businesses thrived because they created predictability in the business. And it was just like a certain niche that worked and it wasn't affected by COVID. Um, But yeah. That's why I'd say, like, delve into digital marketing. Try to create some predictability with your CPAs, your CPLs, and your CACs. Um, Obviously, um, a lot of people use uh, CAC and uh, CPA the same, um, whereas I don't. uh, But it's personal preference, okay? So, um, yeah,
1: and it's just, yeah, finding out predictability. What would you say to someone, because obviously this costs – a fair bit of money so if someone is not at that stage where they can invest money into their marketing and or hire someone like you for example or an agency what would you suggest them to do with the current situation they are not doing any marketing at all they don't have budget for it what advice would you give to them to get started with and to delve into some marketing yeah it's a good question because um a lot of people they
0: will think okay go do marketing. I'll put up a few Instagram posts. I'll put up a few Facebook posts. I'll do that for a couple of weeks. Oh, why am I getting any people like buying from me? Why isn't this working? And it's kind of uh, people think that there's that silver bullet or that shortcut that they can go through. And so when you're first starting out, we go back to that persona that I mentioned at the very beginning. If you don't know that, don't start marketing. Right. Don't start any marketing if you don't know what your persona is, if you don't know their pain, 80% of their, 80% of your customers, um, the, the, the common thread of them. Um, if you don't know the pain points, objections, or deep desires, and you don't know how to answer any of those, <laughs> like if you don't know how to answer those pain points or answer those objections, or like have some sort of relation to their desires and how you meet that, how you match that desire, how your service um fulfills that need. If you don't know that stuff, then why are you marketing? Like most people are like, they think that they're going to do brand awareness at the beginning when really that's later stage in a business cycle. A business cycle like Coca-Cola does not do direct response. They do not like sell, get this Coke for like two for one. And they send you like a, a, an envelope in the mail and they have salesmen coming to your door. Like they don't do that. Um, they focus on brand awareness, like a lot of big companies like Starbucks and all that. They create brand awareness, um, but they can like they're at a stage where they're entitled to do that. And it works really, really well. And it's it's going more into the mind, creating that image of the brand in the mind and how people perceive that through brand lift. Like when you think of coffee, what do you think about? And someone might say Starbucks, someone might say whatever. And same with like cars or a soft drink. What brand do you think about? And you're like, probably like Coke or Sunkist, even though they're owned by the same people. And it's kind of, you, you've got to think about, you've got to think about that later on. But at the beginning, when you need cash flow coming through the door, think about your persona. Who are they? Think about the channels that they kind of like live on. Like it makes no sense to adver- like, if you're selling to lawyers, you've got some sort of service for lawyers. Why are you advertising on Instagram? Go to LinkedIn. Go to go to a pl- go to their email or LinkedIn. Go to a place where they're living, where the, where they frequently visit or go for their communication channels, and do that. Why are you doing all this other stuff? Like it makes no sense. I do a lot of omni-channel because a lot of my clients, like I don't, I although I post um, twice a week on Instagram, I don't expect any sales from Instagram. I'm just building up a passive audience, and I expect that to last several years. Like I don't expect any results from my Instagram. And how I treat it is try to do, if you can, if you've got the time, try to automate your omni-channel marketing, which what that means is it's basically you're trying to um, do marketing on several different platforms at the same time. So you might have a social media scheduling automation tool that where you can, like me, I schedule, um, I spend a day and I schedule three months in advance and the posts are just automatically happening across my channels where I know my audience are. So my audience are on Instagram, um, but they don't really buy from there. My, or I get a lot of leads through LinkedIn. Um, and I post on LinkedIn, I post on Twitter and Twitter is very uh, popular in America and I've got a lot of American clients. And so I post on these, these three automatically. I'm fortunate enough never to have to have, uh, to do Google ads for my own business, even though I sell it and I do it for clients. I've never had to do it because I'm good at SEO. So about 70% of my clients come from SEO, but. I started my SEO knowing I wasn't going to make any leads or money at the beginning from my SEO efforts for at least eight months. Um, and that turned out to be, it became a snowball effect after eight months, eight, eight, yeah, about eight months. And I started to get passive leads coming through the website because I was learning SEO. I was doing that passively. I was doing all these things passively. I started getting people noticing me. Um, I set the expectation with myself that hey, even though I'm doing these, don't expect that you're going to get leads through those. Don't expect that you're going to get leads through LinkedIn. I never expected to get any leads through LinkedIn. I just like created relationships with people. And then I've got people saying, oh, do you offer this? Do you offer that? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And then they're like, oh, let's have a meeting. And then I I make sales through there. And I didn't even expect that. Um, So I, I would say if you've got no experience whatsoever, the two things is your persona. Like think about that like the majority of your clients and the common thread, the common theme. Um, and then think about omni-channel marketing with what where your audience are and then try to do some omni-channel marketing, try to set some automation. Um, but for the passive side of it, like I went to where my audience are. I, I went Like for me, I went to Upwork at the beginning. And um, I submitted probably 40 or 50 proposals before I had someone give me a chance, which is kind of normal. You set the expectation that you're not going to get a job at the beginning. And then the snowball effect happened. I over-delivered. I had five-star reviews coming through. It's all about trust and perception. I had to create that trust. I had to create that perception of trust um, on my website and then I've, uh, that I was established and I could be trustworthy with your money because I'm basically a money manager. I manage people's money for them, trying to get them a return on investment and it makes way more than the stock market does. I make a freaking killing um, with the money that I manage comparison to if you were to put that money into the stock market or into, uh, let's say, real estate. If you're putting the same money into real estate, and, and um, you didn't do market, you could have made like 20x more on your marketing and building your business up than if you were to buy a million dollar home, um, paying that off over time, um, trying to get the residual income coming through, depending on your strategy, because there's a lot of strategies with real estate, but let, let's make it basic. Um, if you put more money into business, you can get way, way more returns way more returns. And I believe that wholeheartedly. I know that um, I'm going to be investing in a lot of real estate as well, but that's kind of like the mindset of Omnichannel. I'm just doing many things, trying to get many sources of revenue mm-hmm. coming through and not trying to feel like, oh, I'm only going to post on Instagram organically, which means that you're not running ads. I'm only going to do that and I'm going to expect some sales coming through. It's not realistic. You've got to do many things at the same time. You don't know what's going to work, what's going to work in your marketing. Like I'm still surprised oftentimes when I'm working on a Google ads account and I'll try something. And when I know that it works with like several other clients and it doesn't work with this client, I'm like, wow, I'm I'm shocked. Like that's why you try so many things. It's split testing. It's trial and error. And when you start to realize that in marketing, you start to realize that's the same in business. That's the same in sales. It's a numbers game. It's trying different things, going with it, but try to like peel back, uh, pull back your expectations in thinking that it's going to work first try or it's going to be a home run. Like, no. And so that's why we come back to that pressure. Try to take the pressure off yourself. Give yourself the leniency of allowing yourself to try many things consistently though. Don't just try it like for two weeks and then give up. Try it for months. Like I'm talking six, 12 months. Try it for that long. Um, and then you'll start to see results because if you just give up on the fourth month, you could have found out that the fifth month actually brought in all your revenue and you start to get a lot of clients. And we find that with our ads a lot of the time as well with our ads, the first two months is like data collection, right? But a lot of people running their Google ads at the beginning, they think that they're going to get a direct return on investment in the first two weeks, which is not the case at all. And so, um, it's
1: really expectation. What so that's the advice for someone that can't afford to do uh, to hire someone like you, for example, to do marketing. Now let's go to someone that is it's ready to buy, it's ready to start investing into an agency or someone like you to start doing some marketing for their business. How do you find the right person of the right agency? Because for uh, speaking from my own like uh, experience at the moment is that, it, um, and there's a bunch of ads co- that I'm coming across that they all claim will help your video business <laughs> make twenty thousand dollars <laughs> a month, guaranteed. Yeah. Like <laughs> so it, you <laughs> just have to pay us five thousand U.S. dollars, and we will help it, you know. Like and, mm. and and it keeps happening. Everyone's so claiming that they're the best of it, that they're experts, that they will get you results guaranteed, ten thousand dollars a month guarantee for your video business and all this stuff. How? <laughs> How do you do it? Because like, and, and then you even look for some of those people. They don't, they don't even show you that they have done it for themselves. Like they have a, a successful video production mm. business and all this stuff. So how do you find the right people? How do you, you navigate all the bullshit that is right now online? Well,
0: like I'm a consultant, so I would recommend seeing a consultant first and maybe forking out like $100, have a half an hour, half hour consult, and then list all the questions you have. Obviously visit that consultant's website read up on how trustworthy they seem to be and the results that they've produced, that they seem to know what they're talking about. Not this fly-by-night consultant that took a little guru course for $500 and then starts to call themselves an expert. You don't want to find those people. You want to find people who seem to be proven, have skin in the game, right they're using their name they're using their face in places um, and they seem to have results and they work with a lot of clients right so you do need to test their uh, how proven they are and then just book in a consult with them pay for it like if it costs money pay for it Because you'll find that um, the investment that you made then for a few hundred bucks, like could have saved you thousands down the line. Because what happens is if you go to an agency straight away, especially one, like I've seen even established agencies who have like a billion dollars on their record of sales and still they don't have home runs, right? You would think that um, you would go to them. They're proven. They're even famous. And you go to them and you're spending like uh, some of them have minimum retainers of 25 grand, right? And then the top. Cream of the crop, right? Um, and I've seen campaigns flop still, even with them. Not everyone's a, not every one of them is a home run. And so, see a consultant first. The consultant should be able to tell you what are the be- like. They'll probably organize an audit. Um, like my audits, I charge them. I don't do free work. If they offer free work, that's fine. See what they come up with. Um, but yeah, they should be able to tell you holistically and no bias. What up, what are channels that are going to work for their business, depending on their niche, like what's working really well for your niche, and then try to look at the top guys in the game. What are they doing? The consultant should have some like premium tools so they can uncover these things like uh SEMrush or HREFs or looking at the actual crunching the numbers, looking at Google keyword planner, looking at what the search volume market validation is. And then that consultant will ever come back to you and say, okay. We believe that these are the things that are going to work for your business specifically. Don't worry about Instagram. Don't worry about TikTok. Get those out of your head right now. Focus on just one channel right now. Let's try to get this to work. Um, now, that obviously contradicts the whole omni-channel um, discussion with uh, do many things at once. When you're actually ready to invest a lot of money, you should be focusing on one thing, right? When I talk about omni-channel, I think organically, not when you're spending lots of money. Um, like I'm not saying that you shouldn't uh, spend money in Instagram, spend money on uh, Twitter, spend money in TikTok. I'm not saying that. I'm saying run posts automatically. Um, it's free, right? Once you just have the tools, like the scheduling tools, um, posting is free. You just come up with the content, it's time. Um, but when you've got money to have skin in the game and you want to invest, stick with at least one channel to begin with. Um, and and just pick a channel. My recommendation, uh, if you think about it, I use the uh, Tofu, MoFu and Bofu uh, funnel strategy. So what that means is at the top of funnel which is tofu uh, that is usually people who aren't really problem aware they're not really ready to know that they've got a problem uh, related to your service they don't know that have feel the problem and slowly down the funnel you've got mofu which is middle of funnel which is they're starting to figure out um that they've, they've got the problem they're looking at kind of like um, solutions like best providers out there and um, best ways to fix this problem and then the bofu is bottom of funnel they're ready to buy they're like um, you know, videography services near me, or whatever. Like they're looking for the actual service, and there's a high um, likelihood that they're actually ready to buy right now, right? And so, really, you want to focus. If your cash flow poor, and you want to look at results straight away, you obviously focus on the bottom of funnel and uh, people ready to buy. And you can't, re- you can do that on Facebook. So on the Meta Network, when you're advertising on Instagram and Facebook, you can advertise on there, but you have to have a really killer offer. You've got to have a really great offer to entice someone because you're interrupting them while they're scrolling through their feed, and that's interruption marketing. And so uh, it's very hit and miss. You can, it, it, interruption marketing and in Facebook has worked, and it works all the time. Like people spend lots of money on Facebook. But if you're just starting out, like I'm a little bit biased towards Google because you can use the Google network to be like, okay, I wanna only enter into auctions where someone is typing in videography services near me and I want that exact phrase. I don't wanna bid on anything else. I just want when someone types that in Google in the Gold Coast, I wanna show up. And I know that it costs me 10 to $20 a click uh, and I know it's gonna take some time, but like maybe if I get 50 clicks, it may cost me five grand, but I know that, like, I could make 50 grand out of this or something like that, you know. So it's really just weighing up all your option- options, look at your opportunity cost. If you spend all your time in this, what are you sacrificing? Um, and, yeah, so I really guide people into what is the low-hanging fruits that they can uh, go for straight away. When you're ready to invest in the game, let's get some money. Let's, let's prove to you that this actually works. Um, but at the beginning, obviously, you- you're going to spend money. Not every investment is a, a home run, um, even with the best of companies that you go with, right? Um, but at the same time, make sure that we're going for those bottom of funnel keywords, make sure we've got this strategy. Like I, I've had clients in the past where they think that they have this really great landing page that, that they're gonna sell traffic, uh, send traffic to and that landing page is actually dog shit and it won't convert anyone, just from my experience, right? They don't have social proof, they don't have reviews, they don't have, um you know compelling statements on there that relate to my problem like they haven't really understood their persona properly and they haven't mentioned any of those objections that that person would typically have. Like if I'm hiring you for videography services I'm like, oh, you know, how much time do you actually spend on it? What does the quality look like? Uh, what's what's the price? What, like all the typical objections that someone says, obviously some of them you're like, get out of here. Like mm-hmm. if they're saying, how long do you take? And it's like, you're not hiring me for how long it takes. You're hiring me for the quality and the work. Mm-hmm. But Anyway, like you have a list of those objections, you have them on the landing page you're selling to people, have it compelling enough, um, and then send traffic to it. You're, you're basically just trying to find quality traffic who are searching for particular keywords, only bidding for those and sending them to a landing page. There is no guarantee. If someone guarantees you, then it's it's either they're frauds or they've been in the game for a long time. I only trust a guarantee when it's coming from like the top agency agency. Um, that's really, really well-known and generating a lot of good results. I trust guarantees from that. But when you've got guarantees coming from someone and it looks a bit sleazy, then I'd probably run and go somewhere else. Like I myself, I don't offer guarantees. I used to. Like I played around with guarantees in the past. And, and you know, Sabri Subi and, and other people like that, they say you've got to have a guarantee. Dan Kennedy, I think he says that you've got to have a guarantee. I think guarantees are very powerful. Um, and I think you, you've you've got to put your money where your mouth is and have a guarantee at some point. Um, when you when you're proven or you know you can deliver or whatever, or you're willing to um not deliver and then having to have the consequences of giving the money back, you know. Um, so there are many ways, and there's probably a strategy behind that. If you wanted to, you know, obviously enter a competitive market, maybe you have to offer guarantees. Um, but in my experience, when you're looking at uh, like. Uh, the big marketing, like eight-figure, nine-figure marketing for businesses, you know that there's no guarantees. What you think was going to work for this client actually did not work at all, and you start to realize, holy crap, it's all about split testing. Like everything you do in marketing is split testing. You're like, let's just see if this works, and that goes back to like Claude Hopkins and and David Ogilvy and people like that. Like they, um, they knew that you had to split test those direct mail. You, they knew that they had to probably swap out this headline and uh, change it for another one or change an image. It's all about split testing to find out what's going to work because you don't know uh, what's going to work straight away. So yeah, that's. Um, I hope that was succinct. I know it probably didn't sound like it, but I feel like you just have to invest in one channel. Make sure that you are going for the bottom bottom of funnel um, in terms of intent. Um, and strategize the landing page first. Don't go in trying to spend 10 grand on this shitty landing page that if you think critically and think like, if you didn't own that landing page, think critically and think, would you buy from it? Would you, if you read through it, would you actually like convert? Was that compelling enough for you to want to sign up and contact this person? If it's not, then revisit it and, um, upgrade it, change it. It's as simple as that. There's, there's no like other way around it. There's no silver bullet. There's no um quick course that you're gonna take that's gonna like unlock these skills that like it's gonna make <laughs> you infinite
1: money. Like expert marketing in 24 hours, <laughs> level 100 straight Yay. away, <laughs> straight away, do the job. <laughs> um, speaking about uh, guarantees and offer, how do we make a killer offer? This is
0: something that I'm still learning about with value stacking and making sure that, and, and it starts with the persona, right? Alex Samozie, if if you've read his uh, one of his books that he's hundred million, hundred million. million dollar offers. I'm he, finishing up. Yeah, he. I, I, I've read it ages ago, but I'm I've obviously got to read it again. But he talks about value stacking as well and it is um it is problem solution driven with the benefits as well and it's really just um how he teaches it and how russell brunson teaches it is that you just come up with all the things that you offer or could offer to that target persona the, pers- the, the, the the ideal person that you're going to be delivering this to, what are all the benefits that, they're going to get out of it? How can you create even more value where it's like stupid if they said no, like you look like an idiot if you turn down this offer and really that's what you want to go for, I suppose. Um, I haven't experimented with a lot of um, irresistible offers in my business uh, because I've got all sorts of different clients. Uh, Even though it works, it definitely works, especially for courses, especially with products. Um, Those offers are amazing. They work really, really well. And those are the offers that work on Facebook and work on Instagram when you're advertising. Those are the compelling offers that really drive someone to buy something. Whereas Google Ads, obviously, it's it's trying to get this, like, enterprise um, in the search results, or it's trying to get this, like, local mechanic showing up on Google, because if you're found, then you're going to get, obviously, you're going to sell. Um, but yeah, with with I, n- I know about the value stacking. I'm probably not the best person to speak about um, value stacking in terms of coming up with an res- irresistible offer, but it's it's once you get your head around it, the concept is quite simple. It's learning about your, your target audience, what are their pain points, objections, desires, what is your product? What is it helping with? Like thinking about when someone like, I think I got this from Alex He said something like if someone comes into the gym, uh, in order to sell them, you're not going to basically tell them it's going to be very hard work. And, um, Mm -hmm. Uh, you're not going to tell them that uh, they go go in here seven days a week and they've got to spend like an hour and it's going to be excruciating and they're not going to take up your sale. It's kind of like you've got to give them a shit sandwich in terms of, Was that the right word? Anyway, you've got to give them uh, something in baby steps. You've got to be like, well, you're going to come in here for at least twice a week to begin with or once a day, but you're only going to do 10 minutes of exercise and we're just going to do this work up to this for the first week or two weeks and then we'll increase it to 12 minutes and then 14 minutes the next week. And so like you're doing it baby steps, you're rewarding them. You're saying that, hey, you can still eat your cakes and you can still eat your croissants if you want. Um, Obviously less of it, but like you're not going to, Give them cold turkey straight away, you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise no one's gonna buy from you. And it's kinda like like I've had a lot of clients and they they get in the sales call and they're wondering why they're flopping on sales calls. It's because they're putting people off with the amount of hard work that they're they're telling the client that they have to do, that they're telling their client that they have to do, um, to get on their program or something like that. And no one wants to do hard work. We're lazy. We always want the lazy Susan way, like we always want to make sure that there is a silver bullet, and that's why courses always sell when they say we're going to twenty x your your sales or whatever if you take this course. And and um, unfortunately, uh, deep down, every one of us wants the wants something cheap, uh, like quick and a quick fix and a and a and a silver bullet or a guarantee. We love that, and deep down, we still think that that works, and we still think there's something out there that is it does work and it's guarantee and it's what no one else knows about yet and. And um, Ale- yeah. Alex Ormosi
1: talks about the value equation yeah, which yeah. At the you end have of the, yeah. the dream outcome mm-hmm. and if you, if you can imagine an equation you have on top like the dream outcome, Times. the likeliness mm. of achieving that mm. dream outcome and then and on the bottom side of the equation you have time and then pain. Mm. so basically what you want to do in order to increase the value of your offer and your services is make making sure that the prospect of that client or the customer understands what's what's the destination you don't want to sell the the flight to get to hawaii you want to sell hawaii you want to sell the beach you want to sell mm. that experience and then you want to make it the the create the perspective, the perception that that's very likely for you to happen because then you'll be excited to buy. Because if I tell you, here's a six pack and you're 200 kilos mm-hmm. you know like you're like how likely is it for me to get that six pack you know you have to make make them understand that it is likable depending on who's the client and what's the context and what's the the service itself but then also you have to reduce the pain points you know how difficult is it gonna be for you to get that six packs because as you were saying like you don't want you don't want pain we always like we're trying consistently to avoid pain. So mm. the less painful you make, and the quicker you make it as well. So if you reduce the time for them to get that Achieve dream outcome, that mm. increase the value of your prop of your proposition and your offer. So that's that that's the lens that I look at everything now in my from my business. You know, like I think of like, what's the dream outcome of my client? How likely is it that we can make that dream become a reality how do i increase the pain and how do i decrease the pain and time to get to that dream outcome and that's how you can start charging as well for value because anyone will pay for something that is quick that is less painful that is exactly what you're dreaming of and that you feel that you can trust that they will get the results that you're seeking
0: yeah, I think it's like it's like in my business where uh, you have to create some sort of quick win for the client in mm-hmm. one to mm-hmm. for them to trust you because you already know that your system works or whatever. But you know it takes a long time, mm-hmm. right? You might s- feel like like SEO, for example, it's it's like harder th- uh, than selling insurance simply because it's a long term game. Everyone wants quick wins. Everyone says, oh, "I want to get on the first rankings on Google and stuff," and so. With SEO, for example, you tell the client with the expectation that, hey, it's going to probably take several months and normally they won't want to come on with you because they don't, no one wants to hear that. They want to be like, oh, I want to show up next week on the first page. Um, but what you can do instead is, you know that your system works, you know that it works but over a long period of time. So you think about the ways that, okay, what is a quick win that I can get them? Like maybe it's a certain keyword that you found in their market and you're like, oh shit, if I actually um, created a really great page around this or a blog article, I could actually rank uh, within four weeks and we could tell the client that and we can show the client, hey, look at your rankings, they're going up slowly but they're going up. And so it's really about that communication um, and not with the mentality of setting and forgetting things, because mm-hmm. a lot of us want to get lazy. It's like people lazy with outreach; they create these templates and they just flick them off. There's no personalization, in the degree that the, other than the the person uses the first name and then the email, there's no extra personalization. Um, and so it's a it's a matter of thinking about your service, knowing what the client wants, and then how do you create some sort of quick win? Where you it's it's probably the fact that. Um, for my clients, for example, uh, we might start with a consult first. It'll be a paid consult. We have a talk about it. They've invested money, so they're going to pay attention because um, usually if it's free, they don't really you know, value you. Um, so we have that consult. It's 30 minutes. It's 100 bucks. We're building that trust, and then we might move to an audit. And then once we do the audit, that gives me a chance to like, I'm not going to charge them 10 grand straight away and they're not going to see the results. Instead, we're starting in small increments. It's low pain because the money is less and they're getting something relatively quickly. You know, I'm going to get this um, audit done on the same day. Like you're going to get it back by the end of the day. Um, And it's something where they feel like, there's a little bit of, it's not instant gratification, but you're at least moving them closer to where they want to go. Mm -hmm. They're building that trust with you um, because that's the biggest thing. Like people uh, have the money, people have a lot of money, but they want a reason to spend it with you, right? And you've got to build that trust with them. It's kind of like Silicon Valley investors. They just want a reason to spend money. But if you're just going to tell them, give me money, and this is what you're going to get, like no one's going to, like you need to obviously, they will be like, Why
1: would I? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, you got
0: to give them the reason. You got to give them this is what you'll make, this is what you'll do in the first two months or six months, or whatever. This is so you've got to really communicate with your client regularly. Um, and it's all about that communication and trying to get that quick win straight away. Cause I feel like a lot of people, when they're starting out with their service, especially if it's a service like fitness or it's a service like, um, You know, uh, I can't think of an example, but anything that's remotely long term in the delivery and long term in the delivery of the outcome, then it's very hard to sell that outcome um, and the time it takes because that's the pain. Uh, So you've got to break your service down into little delivery pieces first uh, in order for that client to actually want to stay with you long-term. And that's how we've kept clients on for more than 12 months because Mm. we've broke down things in increments. The process, yeah. Uh, Broke down the process, but it's also... um, Okay, what's the first quick win we can get so that they they mm-hmm. can feel like they've uh, there's no buyer's remorse. We've eliminated the buyer's remorse because we've delivered that. Like they'll have a little bit of buyer's remorse, they'll be like, "Oh fuck. You know, I hope this works. I spent 10 grand. I hope mm-hmm. I hope this is going to work." But so that's why you've got to try to quickly alleviate that with some sort of quick win that you can find mm-hmm. that's close to their outcome like, "Oh, I can really trust these people. Like they have my best intentions." So, yeah, that's something to look into when when you're thinking about that. and I think uh Alex Somozzi talks about that as well you you think of the quick steps mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's there's like that relates to every business type mm-hmm. every single business um mm-hmm. if you're not doing that and uh, the delivery is long term, then uh you're gonna have some problems with your sales mm-hmm. and uh that reminds me with the value equation uh there was someone briggs i think there, there was someone I, I read somewhere and he come up with the uh, equation of the pain versus outcome and the time it takes to get it and similar to homozy i think homozy came up with a hybrid of that mm-hmm. where it's it's the what is the outcome how painful is it to reach that outcome and how long does it take me what's like thinking about what's my investment how long is it going to take me and then they work out in and in of themselves, like, how willing are they to go for that if they think that the outcome outweighs the pain. So, um, you know, obviously, if you're thinking about, well, I'm probably going to make a million dollars this year, but I have to invest a hundred grand. Um, and I know that it's unreasonable me for me to think that... Um, you know, there's any other way to get this outcome. And it's like, if I can't spend this hundred grand to get this million dollars, um, uh, then it's it, it's kind of like your expectations in and of yourself, you're not seeing them correctly. And it's, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I just want to introduce the the, the the pain to the outcome to the time there's an actual formula based on that as yeah. well Yeah. i can't reference it I, I completely
1: it's gone out of my head right yeah. now so <laughs> um and we're pretty much we've been talking for hour and a half well, this now. is awesome because honestly there's so much little nuggets that you have dropped throughout this conversation that i feel could help a lot to mm. entrepreneurs and small business owners or people that didn't even think of uh, delving into marketing because mm. myself like I, I realized like I can't live from referrals like I, even though this year for example mm. has been incredible we have in I've had so many referrals and word of mouth working for us like we can't predict you know which is what you explain and it, it's it that at some point you will need to start implementing yeah. different tools for Event- it and eventually
0: yeah. you will you will like you will you, have to, yes. yeah
1: so in order to get to the next stage well in, yeah. in
0: order to sell the business yeah you you like if you want to sell your business long term if it was apart from you and your goal was to eventually have 100 employees and sell the business if you're running only on referrals it makes it very hard to sell that business an investor comes in and like okay what's your what's your cac what's your cpl and and they're like uh oh, we, well, we haven't really figured that out. It's all referrals. but It's like, well, I'm not going to buy your business. It's not real predictable, is it? Yeah. Like, even though you know that you're getting referrals like five times a week, that uh, depending on the investor, they'll look at that and they'll be yeah. like, well, the numbers don't make sense here. You don't even have any marketing in place, any predictable marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, but some niches work that way. Some mm-hmm. like NDIS, you can run a successful NDIS business mm-hmm. without marketing mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of digital marketing you can still depending on the area and it's it's all variable right um depending on the area and all that sort of stuff you can run a business purely on referrals but you have to be really good right um and and an industry where you're based on referrals healthcare it's like run on referrals whereas a lot of other businesses are not like they don't have a built-in referral system where the actual consumer expects there to be a referral system in place.
1: Before closing, I just want to get your thoughts on something and ask you one more question. Um, What are your thoughts on the people that live from the premise? I want to become so good at what I do that everyone comes to me. And they're not doing marketing or anything like that. They, They just want to be so good at the specific thing they do. And, and hope that everyone will come to them. What would you tell someone that is thinking like that? Uh, what, what do they, like, aside from that, what's the goal of becoming good? If, if they want to be financially free with their business.
0: Yeah, sure. So if, if you wanted to be like the best in videography, right. And you want to be really well known for it. Uh, you do have to be visible. Otherwise no one's going to know you. Uh, and so you can work on your craft and you can work on serving clients. Um, but what I would do if you want to be a thought leader, you don't have to be the best in the game to be a thought leader, start a blog, put your name on it, put your face on it, become, uh, be willing to have skin in the game in that area. And so when you can build your omni channel going, you've got your blog articles going as well. You've got some sort of strategy to get visible and perhaps you're on social media doing reels and things, uh, eventually that'll snowball. Over time, you'll start to build an audience. You'll start to become well-known. And, yeah, so, like, I I get a lot of referrals as well, but referrals are cherry on top for me. Like, Mm. I don't really care about referrals just Mm. because, like, I know it's going to snowball over time. Like, I, I have to turn down so many jobs at the moment just because I'm in, like, growth pains of scaling the business, you know, hiring several people at once, trying to, you know, hire and fire, trying to find really good talent. So I'm going through that phase at the moment, but I have to turn down like 20 jobs a week. And these are high paying jobs, but I have to regretfully like, oh no, like I'm going to have to turn down this money, but I have to, right. Mm. Uh, And I've learned to love the process. I've learned to understand that um, it's okay. Uh, To lose money in that sense because I'm doing other stuff that I love I'm building my blog and my SEO strategy But yeah, if you want to be the best at what you do Obviously you've got to learn your craft and constantly upskill. like an obsession. It's got to be an obsession You've got to be better than other people at it and you've got to really be every day Like get that one percent better try to try to really live and breathe it Like there's nothing really that you don't know about that that someone else can't tell you about and so um, that's really what it is it's constantly upskilling like I dedicate one day a week to upskilling um, and that's just something like I learned throughout the week but I dedicate an actual day to upskilling just because I know how important it is if it like and most times I've found that that one day a week what I learned, on that particular day helped me days later with a client answering in a sales call. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't have known that if I didn't do an upskill day. Mm -hmm. And so that's a very important, but it's also building your brand. It's about perception. It's about visibility. We know that you don't have to be the best in the game to be famous. Literally, you don't need to be the best in the game. That's a hard truth. Yeah. 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 So it's literally about your marketing and your perception and being there, being out there, being looking like a thought leader in terms of thought leaders, very like, like ambiguous, like a lot of people are like, what the fuck is a thought leader? But <laughs> like a, a thought leader really in this instance, it's, it's writing about, um, articles or topics or things or frequently asked questions that people always ask in this industry. It's going to be asked all the time. And you're just writing a really helpful article around that to help people. You're doing a really helpful video on YouTube, answering this particular thread of this question. Mm. You're really helping people, right? And over time, Like I think Homozy, he says that he did his blog for five years before it really got anywhere, before it saw saw the exponential Mm. traction. Mm. And so you've got to come in the mindset, it's okay to do that. It's okay to do those videos for a long time, expecting you can get zero views Mm. at the beginning. But like just build and learn, build and learn. It's that MVP, that minimal viable product. Start somewhere, get better, evolve, evolve, evolve. Same with your website. Don't get your website perfect. Come up with one page, launch it. Uh, my, my website has probably had like over 700 iterations. I'm not even kidding. In two years, I've probably upgraded it that many times. And that is just constantly like learning learning about something in marketing. And be like, oh, I'm going to try that. I'm going to mm-hmm. split test. I'm going to, you know, and it's okay to do that, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my advice. Definitely work on your blog or YouTube or both. That's that's huge, right? Um, in this day and age, if you don't have a blog or you don't have a YouTube channel, and you can really express the kind of um, frequently asked questions in your industry, if you're not doing that, you're not going to ever look like a thought leader. You're not going to ever look. Uh, you're not going to be someone who people look up to and be like. That guy's an expert. He knows what he's doing. Like, it's all good in front have a portfolio. Portfolios are awesome. Um, but if you're not really, like, writing about it and you're not, you don't have a YouTube channel and stuff, you're not going to be, you're not going to be famous. Um, maybe, maybe in inner circles with your portfolio and it's all word of mouth and you're doing really amazing work. Um, uh, maybe you'll become famous, but if you're not doing any guest posting on, on like Forbes and and other websites like that, if you're not doing that over time or working up to it and trying to build something like one brick at a time, then you'll never get to that stage where everyone's like, Oh. I know him. Yeah, he's like the best in the industry. He's a Neil Patel. Like in our industry, we've got Neil Patel or Brian Dean. And um, these people are really famous in our industry. And sure, they're probably not even the best in the industry. They're just really great at putting themselves out there and writing about a topic um, from the uh, perspective of being an expert.
1: Exactly, and you completely nailed it with it. Like, it's not really about being the best, unfortunately. It's about making people think that you're the best, like, creating that perception that you're an expert in your field. Unfortunately, it's fake it
0: till you make it. Like, when you're starting out, it is fake it till you make mm-hmm. it. You have to try, like any clients that you get on, maybe you have to work for free to begin with and then use the, the client logos on your website as social proof just to create anything, right? Just use anything you can. Any affiliations you have with the brand or software mm. that you use or uh, cameras like we use, um, uh, what do you call it? It's a Nikon or something. Oh, oh, oh. please don't say that. <laughs>
1: <That's> one, <laughs> that <laughs> no, no, no. That, that broke my heart. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a
1: nikon no please never say that again a, these are sony's made sony. you do not compare uh, my wait. sony cameras to nikon <laughs> please do not do that okay, oh my that? god we, we compare nikon's to potatoes that's how bad it is <laughs> so please do not do that i'm sorry guys i'm sorry now, if you're a nikon user I'm sorry. That's it's, it's just the <laughs> truth. Your camera is a potato. <laughs> There's okay. a, even a creator that made a song about it. <laughs> even if you use potatoes, use them as your fill it now <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that 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 really hurt my
0: feelings. Dropping, like, you, couldn't,
1: you, you couldn't go like canon or something like that. You had I, I to do. go for
0: Nick. <laughs> i thought of kind of, like i thought of c in my head like ca i know the brand it starts with c and i'm like the only closest thing is Nikon in my head <laughs> oh
1: no that terrible. that's the brand association uh-huh. yeah uh, th- th- we're caught in the podcast. i'm sorry that conversation is over. no but really man like i i want to close it because this has been such a great conversation Um, I just want to ask yourself, what would you tell your young self when you're first starting up um, with your business, being an entrepreneur and all these things, if you could go back and give maybe one or two pieces of advice, what would you tell yourself or even to someone that is, you know, young or or even old, but getting after it, starting that finally that passion project, they want to be an entrepreneur, they want to get out of the nine to five What would you tell that person? I would say uh,
0: be comfortable that the first couple of years are learning uh, and be okay to be a generalist at the beginning. Be okay to learn many different things um, and be okay to do that for like a year. Like it's a time game. It's a volume game, right? And then eventually over time you naturally specialize. And I wish that I kind of knew that that was the path I was going to go. I, I learned through a lot of trial and error thinking that I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. i got to be an expert at this. But when really you've got to allow yourself and give yourself permission to learn a lot of things at the beginning, learn a lot about your industry and be OK that you're you're um, probably not going to make money at the beginning. Be OK with that. Right. I'm um, not that that's going to be the case. I've seen so many success stories. Um, and then eventually specialize, right? And I, I would I would tell myself like just be your expectations within of yourself because it's a mental game and you can get depressed. Um, and just like don't let that overcome you. Just try to realize long game that hey, you you're gonna do this until you die. Like you love this particular profession, you love it, and you're gonna you're not gonna do anything else for the rest of your life. You're gonna do this with knowing that be okay to be patient and love the process right um, because I know that I'm gonna be in marketing for the rest of my life and that's why I'm investing myself in in myself slowly my education I'm okay to spend several grand on a course and stuff because I I invest in myself knowing that I'm gonna turn that into value for my business um yeah that's that's what I would say
1: yeah awesome brother if someone wants to get in touch with you or want to inquire about your services um where can they get it where can they reach out to you yeah so if you just typed
0: in jrr like r for roche um jrr marketing and then you'll find me online
1: anywhere i'll show up so yeah yeah <laughs> awesome that uh, The links will be below, depending on where you're watching or listening to this. Um, Such a pleasure to have this conversation with you before you start your new adventure in Indonesia, which we didn't even get the time to talk about. But make sure to like and subscribe, depending on the platform that you are. And follow us on Instagram. Good vibes for everyone.